Welcome to the Founder Haven podcast. I'm Sarah Miller. In my conversations with founders, we learn more about their journey into founderhood and how they navigated the tough stuff. Hi, Yana. Hi. Hi. It's so good to meet you today. And thank you so much for sharing your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat. Awesome. Yana, I've been reading about you online. I've been reading about Craftful. It's lovely that you actually have writings and stuff online that we could, that you've shared with people, which is awesome. And I have some specific questions about some of that that I'll get to later on. But I thought it would be wonderful if you could just start off by telling us a little bit about what you're building with Craftful. Yeah, sure. So we're, we're making it easy for hardware companies to make their things, their connected things, usable by everyone and and the idea being that now when we live in this world where everything around us is becoming connected everything from you know appliances to furniture to um, clothing toys um, and a lot of those things have digital interfaces that are really difficult to use are difficult you know difficult to use for 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 a large group of people Um, and um, what we're helping with is essentially to provide the tools that hardware companies need to make those things usable by families, by large, you know, demographic, different people from different demographics, basically anyone who needs to be able to use them so that um, we don't end up in a world that's really um, annoying <laughs> just because it became internet connected. <laughs> gotcha. So if I think about myself in the future, like how would craftful impact my life if I think about my future self, or maybe it doesn't even have to be my future self. Maybe it's now, but how, how would craftful be impacting my life? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, uh, you know, as, as you're interacting with your, uh, connected devices, so any kind of internet connected device in, in, in your home, if, if you control that device via an app, that app may be either, directly powered by craftful and it's sort of you know the craftful user experience that you're interacting with even though the hardware is is by another company uh-huh. uh, or uh or uh, there's tools that uh, those hardware companies are using to make the app user friendly um yeah. and um in particular analytics tools um to 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 make uh, make sure that you know you're you're able to interact with it and um and connect your device and, and control it on a daily basis. Gotcha. So no more fights with like random technology not functioning correctly or not being able to get, yeah, something to work properly. You're making me think of um, um, the, and just like that, do you watch that show? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah, she's yeah. like standing in the kitchen and there's something beeping and she's like, off, turn it off. That's, <laughs> like, an, that, that's like an ad for Craftful. It's basically exactly what we fix. Hey, <laughs> okay, okay, gotcha. Okay, interesting. So why, why Craftful? Like, why is this your thing that you are dedicating? Because I know as a founder, you're dedicating an immense amount of time and energy and a huge part of yourself to building this company. Why? Why is this your baby, so to speak? Yeah. So um, I think there's a lot of things um, in my history that has been about fixing things that are radically broken for everyday humans. And, and I've sort of been, that's kind of what, if I think about the common thread and all the different things that I've worked on, that's, that's basically it. And 
um, before starting Craftful, I came across that kind of problem in, in my mind uh, with, uh, with Connected Hardware. Um, I worked as head of product um, at IFTTT, or if that's what we called um, ourselves. Um, and um, the, all of the different connected um, device, uh, device, device brands uh, that were on, on the platform, I kind of got to work with them and see some of the inner workings of, of essentially lots and lots of different hardware companies. Okay. And uh, what I realized from that experience is that uh, well, I, I realized that they're not particularly user friendly, but I kind of knew that from just using lots of connected hardware. Mm -hmm. But what I realized is that one big reason they're not is that they're, they don't actually work like other kinds of internet services mm -hmm. uh, in that they're not leveraging interaction data to understand how people use uh, the product and, and make it easier to use. In fact, they don't use any interaction data at all. Okay. Um, and so they have no idea where, where folks are dropping off when they first start connecting the device and um, how long they spend looking for certain features um, and you know, all of these different problems. And, and to me, um, I started seeing that also that you know, it's it, beyond the, the, the kind of, we're just seeing the, the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of what is becoming connected right now, yeah. every every brand you can think of has an IoT team that's thinking about how yeah. to put connectivity into their products. And so, um, if that is the case, we're quickly moving to a place where, if these things are not going to become more user friendly and uh, useful for more people, we will need a technical head of a household to yes. like unlock our doors and turn off the lights right and that's not that's not the world i want to see live in <laughs> yeah no i i love this and i love i love people like you to be honest that are thinking about the things that i wouldn't see so i mean okay so i'm not a technical person i work with people in tech so i'm very tech adjacent but i am not actually a tech person myself and so when i hear you describing this i'm like oh Thank goodness you're thinking of the things that I'm not thinking of. Like I would like, so for example, we got a new door. You would be screaming at the door, right? <laughs> yes, no, I'm the person because like we got a garage door opener not mm -hmm. long ago and it's, it's, it needs to be connected to my phone. And I'm like, mm, I'm not sure that I want to connect it to my phone because I can just see that this is probably going to be a problem mm -hmm. um, or a headache that I just am not ready to take on right now with a busy schedule. And so like you are the kind of person who's thinking like, let us make this easier for somebody like Sarah so that she doesn't have to worry about how she's going to open her garage door or whatever, access her garage door opener on her phone. Yes? Absolutely. 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 Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I would not have thought of a garage door opener <laughs> needed to be connected to my phone. I see the benefit of it, but mm -hmm. it, you're right. I mean, it's, we're becoming so much more connected in places where we wouldn't have imagined yeah. in the past. And, yeah. and I think the other, the other side of this is that the most interesting um, IoT use cases, particularly in the home. I think that, you know, there's lots of really interesting IoT use cases, but the most interesting ones are benefiting, could benefit elderly folks with disabilities, uh, folks who would have a particularly hard time interacting with something that's not user-friendly. And, and usability is really just not part of the equation um, yeah. right now. No, I love that. I love that. So tell me, you said there's, there's these parts of your story 
where mm -hmm. you have you have seen problems that you know for everyday people that just weren't being solved and so you develop this sort of desire to to really help solve some of these everyday things tell us a little bit about your story like some of these your journey into how you how you came to to this point yeah absolutely so i actually started my career in law um and um i practiced law for for a bit um and you know my 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 legal career career is sort of like i started I first started the London School of Economics and I studied uh, public international law and thought I was going to become like a human rights barrister and work on like war crimes, which would have been relevant today, um, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I then um, worked in lots of other kinds of um, uh, with lots of other kinds of legal issues and eventually realized that actually I want to go into academia. And um, so I went back to school uh, and, and studied, studied law again for actually the third time. Um, and um, in, in my research, uh, when I afterwards became a, a very junior law professor, and that was sort of my, my, my short stint in, in academia, was focused on um, how to eliminate um, legal policies, like you know, terms of service, privacy policies and replace those with interfaces that would make it obvious to humans who do not read those texts <laughs> what's going to happen with them if they interact with a piece of software or you know a piece of technology yeah. um, so that's that was sort of like a, a big piece of um kind of how 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 i was thinking about um law generally it's sort of like not not something that i need to um think about how to imply to the world, which is probably like mostly how, how lawyers view the world, right? Yeah. Uh, it was more about how do I, how do I fix the law <laughs> so that it works for everyday people? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I guess some, some, some other uh, examples of that, I then transitioned into product management and obviously product management is all about that. It's you know build, building products to to solve uh, problems uh, but when i uh, then um ended up kind of uh doing more entrepreneurship um which i did uh, multiple times on the side i sort of was about to start a company <laughs> many times until i until i finally started craftful full on um they were always uh things like that where it was something i found to be tremendously broken and needed fixing um and uh and and i felt like i could not not do it and i think the the biggest one in my mind which i will probably come back to at some point in my life is after um after having a baby i felt like um you know the experience of being pregnant and the experience of going through postpartum is just so incredibly broken in women's health generally that um that's something that needs to uh, resolved and so I started started a company around that um, and then uh, unfortunately didn't didn't pursue it for various reasons but um, yeah so yeah. Lo lots and lots of examples of <laughs> kind of being faced with things uh, that I found to be broken and, and yeah. uh, feeling the need to solve that <laughs> yeah but I love that it I feel like you you see things that need fixing and you're able to go after some of the things that maybe aren't even as, I don't know, flashy is the right word, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I think about a terms of service, I'm like, that sounds not, 
forgive me for saying that it's like not as interesting to a lot of people but you're you see it the way your eyes view it you're like this is something that's monumentally important to people and people don't see they're not able to see how important it is i can fix this i can fix this to make it easier for the user oh we need people like you yana <laughs> we need people like you <laughs> yes we totally need people um it's fascinating you say the thing about um starting a company after, you know, going through having a kid and things like that. My, my company that I was going to start after having children was, um, uh, car seats that install themselves. I, that was like my big thing for a long time. I was like, how can I possibly create? <laughs> so it's like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that you have to, like, I, I think, uh, go to like, oftentimes folks have to go to like a police office and have them install or some, some, something like that. Uh, you know, we didn't go through that process, but I know that that's, yeah, it's that's the same a thing. That's the thing that people <laughs> yeah. do. Yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I can remember being in the bag, like sweating, thinking I must clearly be doing something wrong because people make this happen every day. And why can't I? Yes. Anyway. Okay. We could go down a rabbit hole of <laughs> things like that, but um, yeah, I mean, just generally, why are there car seats for children? Why aren't cars designed for every possible human? And in 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 seat belts are not optimized for women, right? So like the fact that basically cars are designed for adult men, <laughs> it's just insane. Yes, you know, I hadn't even thought about it like that. But you're right. Why is the car not itself? Why do we even need car seats? Again, this is why we need people like you solving problems because you actually <laughs> get to the heart of it as opposed to me trying to figure out how to make a better car seat. Like we need better cars. We do need better car seats too. That would be probably a much faster solution to the problem. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. That might be faster. But what are some of the companies you said there were many times it sounds like you approached entrepreneurship, you approached starting companies and then didn't tell us about that evolution. Yeah. So the, the, I think the, the furthest I got was with, with the, the women's health um, um, startup, which was essentially the idea that you have, well, the, the big picture idea would, would be to, to essentially create a health system designed for women, because our health system is not <laughs> um, more broadly, but it would start from particular aspects of, of um, uh, the experience, like menstruation um, and pregnancy and postpartum and address those pieces specifically through um through services uh, that would you know you like period tracking that would actually provide you with um with the uh, menstruation um supplies and, and that kind of stuff right so um so very kind of very specific targeted mm -hmm. uh platform and i think what i didn't realize at the time was that you can start a company even if you can't get it funded and uh, even if you can't persuade investors that this is actually a big need because it serves the 50 percent of population that is not them <laughs> you should still go ahead and start the company um but i think um that's that's basically why i didn't pursue pursue that idea but luckily other people have and i, I think, think yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot of evolution in that space yeah so in that sense it was kind of a um at least in that specific example you gave it's kind of an institutional knowledge piece right of like i didn't realize you could go forth and continue creating a company even without without funding like that's because i think those are things that people don't know i mean now i see more people 
um, that are promoting, you know, crowdfunding and, you know, things like that. But I think that hasn't been yeah. you know, talked about as, as much in the past. So yeah, just things we don't know. Has, tell me a little bit about this, this journey from you becoming, you know, you thought you were going to be in academia and then mm -hmm. it turns out now you're a founder, an entrepreneur. Was this, was it like a, a moment when you realize, okay, I think I want to go in this direction. I thought I was going in this direction, but now I think I want to go in this direction. Or was it a sort of slow evolution? What was, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was very much a slow evolution. I think I was always looking for something like entrepreneurship without necessarily knowing it specifically. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's probably why I always have had these kind of like entrepreneurial ideas on the side that I was building on and, and trying out. Um, and I even had that, you know, as a lawyer, uh, not, not specifically while I was in academia, but, uh, but then I then did that while I was the product manager. I think it was basically a very slow evolution towards at some point realizing that there is just one way. <laughs> just I need to start a company. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I think up until that point, it was it was always kind of like figuring out what is the best way of solving problems that I see in the world. Yeah, yeah. Is that how you would define being an entrepreneur? That is that is how I would define being me as an entrepreneur. I think there's a few there's there's a lot of different types of entrepreneurs, sure. and, and oftentimes. Um, I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs who are, you know, they come up with some type of technology and then they think about like, what can this do? Um, and I think I am very much like someone who just sees problems and then tries to figure out what's the best way <laughs> to, to solve this problem without necessarily having a solution in mind and then, and then going out and trying to see, iterate on, on the solution until I get to something that, that works. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you enjoy problem solving. That's probably stating the obvious there, but, but, but I think that it needs to be said though, because I think it's easy to think of entrepreneurship, I think, or some people get stuck thinking of entrepreneurship as, oh, I have the answers. I have this business acumen. I have, you know, a vision and things like that. And really what it so much is, it's like, no, I enjoy a challenge. I enjoy problem solving. I like to go after this creative aspect of problem solving. It sounds like that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, that is kind of what I'm saying. I, I, think, I think one thing that I realized, I thought that that's broadly speaking, that's, that's, that's what I liked. But I think having been a lawyer, um, I know that I don't enjoy just problem solving. I enjoy identifying a big problem and building a solution because I think that as a lawyer oftentimes you're just problem solving and you're actually just like solving like a list of problems <laughs> that people have created yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that in particular I did not enjoy gotcha so problem solving if it's impactful if it's problem, yeah if problem solving if it's impactful and I get to build a solution and I'm, at that point I'm sort of you know there is a there is an underlying problem, but I'm building towards something as opposed to just solving problems that people are throwing at me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 You know, I hear when, when you're talking about it like that, I hear, so I, I think of a lot of things through the lens of values. Like what are the values that are really guiding you? And I already can hear you talking about like, you know, problem solving, but also having impact 
you know, having some creativity thrown in there. It sounds like solving kind of these unseen problems that make people's lives easier, right? So being helpful. Are there other, not that I'm creating the list for you, but, <laughs> but what are some of the other values that you feel like are really kind of serving as your North Star in this, this journey of creating Craftful? So of the so we have four values, and I would say out of our full four values, one is probably the most important, which is empathy is our superpower. Um, and I think that um, you know, and, and to us, empathy is about um, empathizing with users, with people who are going to be using the the connected hardware. It's empathizing with our customers, the hardware companies that are that are building them. It's empathizing with each other, um, our, our team members, and trying to figure out how how can I make them successful and um, and so on. And I think uh, what I've come to realize is that for for me identifying problems that is all about just empathizing with 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 people and sometimes I'm, sometimes it's empathizing with myself right like that was a terrible pregnancy <laughs> let me figure out how how to make it better <laughs> but sometimes it's not right like i can i can read legal terms just fine i'm very legally trained but most people cannot <laughs> So, um, so I think empathy definitely is uh, is a big piece of um, who I am, and uh, and what drives me. Yeah. Um, to what extent do you feel like your values at Craftful overlap with your personal values? Uh, they overlap with my personal business values. I think I probably have more more other personal values <laughs> that sure, I didn't sure. necessarily bring in into the company. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but definitely, you know, it's a perfect overlap. There's nothing, there's no, there's no business values that I've come up with that aren't, yeah. that aren't my personal values. <laughs> sure. Of course. Yeah. No, I often think there's a great overlap, but I think a lot of times we don't talk about to what extent the personal within the the founders really you know becomes a or is reflected in mm -hmm. in the company's values and we tend to think of them like these are separate and these are you know and yeah. for sure yes there are lots of other personal values that perhaps don't come into play or even are not appropriate to come into play in the, in your professional life but i think there's often a lot of of overlap mm -hmm. yeah because if you think, you know, like you're essentially what you're doing is you're, you're trying to organize a group of people mm -hmm. to go out and have impact in the world. And so like, yeah, that's a business, but also that could be your, you know, it, yeah. it, you'd be organizing your family with a certain set of values similarly Absolutely. to go out and, and, and do something in the world, right? So it's a, it's, it's, it'd be difficult to come up with any other kind of values than the ones that, yeah. <laughs> that are sort of just yeah. top of mind for you. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. And I also think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of similarities in my mind between raising, building a company and raising a child. Mm -hmm. And so just naturally, I feel like, yeah, that personal kind of comes into play because in very much the same way, like you're saying with impact, very much the same way you might be building a company to have impact. I mean, you might also be raising children to have an impact in the world and, yeah. and things like that. So I think it, there's a there's this kind of clear relationship between the two, or at least a reflection of the, between mm -hmm. the two, for sure. Yeah. Um, 
let's talk a little bit about, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of these highs and lows that come along with being a founder. Um, Because I feel like you can kind of have the highest of highs when you have successes and also some of the lowest of lows when failures come about. Um, What are some of the lessons that you feel like you've gained throughout this journey of just kind of this up and down and up and down? Because I would imagine you've had some ups and downs. And what do you feel like some of the lessons are that you've, you've gained from that experience? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think I've, I've, I've gained the lesson that there are the ups and downs. And, I've, uh, and, and I know that that sounds almost obvious, but when you're in the down, um, when you're in the up, you know that there's going to be a down <laughs> somehow, yeah. somehow yeah. you do. Um, but when you're in the, in the low, it's really, really hard to, to sense that there's the, things will be, feel better and, and be better soon. Um, for me, you know, we started the company right after the pandemic, well, right before the pandemic started. Um, so we had raised our pre-seed and we're just about to get started. Um, and then the pandemic hit. And <laughs> within um, and you know, for some for some for some type of companies, that was absolutely absolutely fine. Sure. Um hardware companies that were our um our customer base that we were going after, they all froze their budgets within just like a few weeks. So that was a very dramatic low. (laughs) Um, For for us, we came out of um, CS 2020 um, and just had a ton of um, traction. And then suddenly, like within a couple of weeks, pretty much everyone had had disappeared. Um, And that was a big low. And, And one thing I learned in that experience, and I don't actually know what motivated um, motivated me to do this then, but I did, was to start writing down things that were happening. And it could just be like, you know, had had a call with this company and they told me that, you know, look, all of your other companies are gonna freeze their budgets within the next week. And then, and then like next week writing down that, yes, I had a call with so many other companies and that happened. Um, but then also like just, writing down some things that we did um and it would be really short like I essentially created a list of things that had happened and it would just be like one short sentence of all of those things and a date um and I actually started creating two of those lists simultaneously one personal and one professional because you know the pandemic happened so it was like all of the weird things that were happening from like lockdown and like, um, you know, and all the, all the things Trump did around that time, right? So it's just like insanity. Um, and I kept these two lists um, going. And uh, what I found was that as soon as they start there on the business side in particular, there started being ups, I could go back to this list and understand that much more kind of tangibly <laughs> that, um, that actually there is this like up and down and be, just be able to see it, right? Because then you can be in a down and you can go back and see, look, I had a previous down and things, things went up <laughs> eventually. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the best way of just being able to prove to yourself that everything's going to be all right, is to look back and see, because it was, right? Because yeah, I've, I've been through this before. Um, and, and then similarly on the, on the personal side, um, yeah. to just be able to, and also just be able to go back and see all of the crazy things that happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's, that's really smart, Yana. That's so smart because our recall is, is so jaded by emotions. 
Yes. Right. Like when you're in the lowest of lows, the emotions kick in and your mind tells you this is going to be this way forever. And I'm never going to get my way out of it. Right. Which we know is not true because if any of us look over the course of our lives over the last five, 10 years, 15, 20 years, depending on how old you are, right? There's clearly, I mean, people live lives of a constant sense of, you know, ups and downs and, you know, highs and lows and things like that. But our emotions fool us into thinking that it's never going to change, yeah, right? Exactly. And yeah, you created data. Back, right? Like that's the, that's the other piece is like, if I were to try to remember this, I probably wouldn't because my brain saved me from being pained by it, right? <laughs> Yes. I remember being pregnant with my first one. And I asked people, I asked other mothers, how does anybody ever have a second kid? And they're like, trust me, your brain will take care of this for you. <laughs> Still waiting for that. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yes. Yes. Depending on everybody's experiences. But, um, but yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. company because of it. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> like I will just <laughs> entrepreneur my way out of this. <laughs> yes. That's so smart. That's so smart. That's such a nice, um, tangible sort of solution to this, to this mental trap that, that we can, that all of us can easily get, get trapped in. Yeah. yeah. And I think one thing that I was actually, it, it served so many different purposes, which is, you know, that, that, that's part of it, but I've, uh, I've later reflected on, you know, oftentimes as a founder, you feel this like doubt, have I doubt, have I done enough? Am I moving fast enough? Like, and then you're trying to like compare yourself to what, like uh, there's fundraising announcements or like, you know, uh, things that are clearly not, not something you should ever <laughs> try to compare uh, against your, yourself against. And having a list of just like, here's what we've achieved in, you know, half a year, two weeks, <laughs> three months, whatever, whatever time period you're looking at is incredibly valuable to just be like, Oh, this happened. I made all of this happen. And here's where we are. And here's where we were. Um, and that's just a very um, helpful way to get yourself out of that, that kind of thinking. Yeah, you're creating your own data to compare your, your experiences to to say, okay, I'm experiencing right now these thoughts around and maybe I'm not doing enough. And I haven't been working hard enough, because I think you're right. It's very easy, especially when you are in leadership to think like, clearly I'm not doing enough. I could be working harder. I could be working longer. I could be working smarter, right? And if you have the data there to stare at, mm -hmm. it's a way of battling that, that sort of demon, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You, you, yeah. you know, you just, it, it proves, it proves you wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What other wisdom do you feel like you've gained throughout this, this process so far, this journey so far? Uh, I think the, it's the, the idea being that like, you know, there's, there's no one better than me to do what I am doing. Um, there's, you know, there's all of these other companies that other people do and they're, they're great at doing that. But this particular problem that I identified in the world and everyone was sort of just like, walking around and stepping over and <laughs> doing something else with <laughs> um, this problem I need to go and solve and no one else can do it better. I think that's that's something that's um, in in all of the, the the doubts is something that I've learned for myself, but it's also true for any every other entrepreneur, really anyone doing a job of any sort. 
um, that that I found that I didn't really reflect on as much until until I became an entrepreneur. Yeah, kind of the un, unsung hero of tech, right? I feel like you're you pick up like you you said it in a different way. You said it in like I find those problems that people are kind of stepping over, <laughs> and I'm the one who's going to pick up those problems. And you feel like you are uniquely qualified, or your life has led you to this place where you are the person to pick mm -hmm. up problems like that. That's beautiful. That's oh, thank beautiful. you. <laughs> That's beautiful. I think a lot of people, I mean, I think there are, you know, people out there doing these sorts of things and, and many people would never get to know who are the people that are solving these problems that we may not even see as problems, mm -hmm. but they are in fact making our lives better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly in B2B companies, you're really not never going to know. <laughs> yeah, no. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So what do you, what do you think is in the future for you? Besides Craftful being enormously successful and you know, I love that. Yes, of course. But uh, <laughs> what else do you see in, in your future? Uh, it's a great question. It's, you know, as an, as a, as a founder, it's so easy to really just think of like, you know, business goals and, 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 and milestones that you really rarely think about, like, what else, what else are you gonna achieve as a, as, as a human out in the world. I do think that there's definitely um, things that I, I want to make sure are true for people. Like, you know, there's probably going to be other kinds of um, impact that I will want to have in the world, be it, you know, through um, helping with nonprofits or, you know, or even just providing funding um, that may, may be you know, maybe potentially a later chapter in life, though I imagine I will be, you know, doing craftful for the rest of my life. Or maybe it's just something I do in my spare time once I start having that. <laughs> but um, but I do think that, you know, there's there's certain there's certain aspects of because 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 of kind of how I just, you know, I think you, you have a sense of how I go around the world and just see all the pieces that are broken. <laughs> That, that I feel the needs to help in, in those areas as well. And I think I want to, I want to figure out ways to do that. Um, in addition to, to, uh, you know, driving my company forward. Awesome. Well, Yana, it has been such a delight talking to you and I can, I'm going to speak for a lot of people, I think, and, and say, thank you for sharing your gifts and for this, this position that you are uniquely built for. I feel like, um, and that so many people may not appreciate the, the immense work that you're doing. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you.